We do praise the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, for he is above all and all is beneath him. We thank him for this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We are to rejoice and be glad in it. What a wonderful day it is to be in the house of the Lord once again and to have life and know it. Uh, For we are alert and active and uh, certainly we owe God praise, honor, and glory. Thank God for sharing, allowing me to share this special moment uh, with these brethren that are here. uh, Deacon McLean, Brother Abram. Brother Joe Evans and Reverend McCoy, and certainly uh, giving me this opportunity to share this virtual space with all of you who are on this evening uh, for our Tuesday evening Bible study. Uh, this is a wonderful time for us to eat. Uh, we don't want to be mal uh, malnourished. We want to uh, be well fed uh, so we can endure. Uh, for the Lord. Amen. Matthew chapter 9 verses 35 through 38. Uh, As you are looking for uh, Matthew chapter 9 verses 35 through 38, I want to uh, remind us again of registration. And uh, registration was opened Sunday uh, evening or Sunday afternoon at 3. And uh, it will close on Friday. Uh, at 5 p.m. So make sure you register uh, for your desired service, 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock. Also, would ask that you pray for uh, the Bennett family. Miss Lottie Bennett lost her husband, um, and uh, I talked with her today, and she's strong in faith and in spirit. And uh, But I do ask that you Pray for her, undergird her with your prayers. Uh, The effectual, fervent prayers of the righteous avails much. And so make sure you are lifting her and her family up in prayer uh, as they mourn the loss and make preparations to celebrate the life and legacy of her late husband. Amen. Uh, Pray for all of us. Pray for the church family. Pray for uh, our community. Uh, We're still in a pandemic, and uh, God is faithful, and uh, he's keeping us, and I just depend and rely on him uh, to see us through. Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. Uh, These are the last four verses of chapter 9, and this is a pivotal point uh, in the Gospel of Matthews because Jesus somewhat shifts and uh, changes uh, in his uh, leading of the disciples. So let us look at Matthews chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues. And preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad 
as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. That's the word of God. May we believe the word and live by it so we'll be blessed by God in doing so. Jesus is compassion for the loss. Jesus is compassion for the loss. We continue our study in the Gospel of Matthews. We have already heard the teachings of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. We have already seen the miracles of Jesus. Matthew chapter 8 and 9. Now, Matthew is transitioning to talk about the work of Jesus' disciples. The passage we are looking at this evening is a hinge passage. A hinge passage swings between two passages. This passage serves to connect what we have already studied about Jesus and what we will see in the ministry of his disciples. This is a pivotal passage uh, because it holds Jesus' ministry together with ours, with our ministry. We have a ministry. We are commanded to do what we have seen and have heard in the ministry of Jesus Christ. We're not to lean unto our own understanding and do things according to the way we feel and, and the way we think, but we are to study the life of Jesus and emulate uh, the ministry of Jesus Christ. So this particular passage serves as uh, a hinge passage. It connects, it brings together Jesus' ministry and our ministry. I really need you to get that in your spirit uh, that you have a ministry. God has given you a ministry. He has given me a ministry. He has given us a ministry. Jesus makes the switch from preaching and teaching and healing himself to commissioning his disciples to go out to preach and teach and heal. Jesus is about to commission his disciples to do what he is doing himself. Notice in verses 35 to 38, there are several things I see concerning the ministry of Jesus Christ and his compassion for the lost. The first thing is, the first thing we see is the ministry of Jesus. Verse 35, Jesus continued going 
to all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. Notice, first of all, under the ministry of Jesus, the mission in his ministry. Jesus continued to go. He had a ministry that was mobile. He wasn't stationary. He had a mobile ministry. He continued to go. Notice Jesus went to the places populated with people. He went to minister to people. He went where people were. And as he continued to minister to people, more and more people came to him. If we go to them, then they will bring more people to us. That's the model of Jesus' ministry. He went to where people were. He went where places were populated with people so that he could minister to the needs of the people. We are commanded to go. We have the great commission. In Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We are commissioned to go, and we go... Not powerless, but we go under the power of Jesus. You know what happened and what was said prior to Jesus saying to his disciples, go. Uh, prior to what was said in verses 19 and 20, Jesus rose with all power. And the Bible says that some worshiped and some doubted. And he said to his disciples, because of the resurrection power, that they were to go ye therefore into all the world and teach. We still have that commission. That's still the mission in his ministry. That the church is not uh, or should not be confined to the walls in a certain location. That the church is to be mobile. That after we hear preaching and teaching of God's word, we are to carry the word of God into different places, teaching the word of God and helping people understand God's son and his sacrificial death, his, his voluntary death on the cross of Calvary for our good so that we can live. And experience the abundance of life that Jesus Christ came to give us. We are to teach them how to observe, how to align their lives with the teachings of Jesus Christ. Helping them to identify with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Notice the baptism is important here because he says baptizing them in the name. Now whoever name you were baptized in means that you were identified with that particular person. 
So here he tells us to identify with the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's important. Because if we're going to be saved, we have to be identified with all three. The three in one. The Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The mission in his ministry is to go. We are commanded to go. And we are commanded to teach and preach. So that's the mission in his ministry. But then we see the method of ministry. Jesus taught in their synagogues and preached the gospel of the kingdom. He taught in their synagogues. He taught in their synagogues. He would go to the religious place. He would go to where they were teaching the law and he would teach in their synagogues. But he didn't just confine his ministry to teaching in synagogue. He preached the gospel as he went from place to place. As people gathered around, he preached the gospel of the kingdom. Oh my, the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. Euangelion of the kingdom. So he preached the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is the gospel of Jesus Christ because you can't have a kingdom without a king. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. And so when we preach the gospel of the kingdom, we are preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Notice uh, he preached his own kingdom. That kingdom in which he himself is king. The authority of his preaching was from himself. Now, unlike Jesus, our authority to preach is not from ourselves. No, no. Our authority to preach comes from the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. We're not, we're not empowered in and of ourselves. We don't have authority. Listen, God doesn't need our ability. He only needs our availability and right attitude. He has the ability. If we yield ourselves to God, God will give us the ability. And the ability that God gives us is supernatural ability. It's beyond mere man. Jesus preached by the authority of himself. But we are not preaching by the authority of ourselves. We are preaching by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, preaching is powerful when the Spirit is found working in the Word of God and through the Word of God. God promised, get this, this is why I preach the way I preach and I stand as bold as I stand because God promised that his word will not return to him void. When the word of God goes out, God will accomplish all that he sends it out to accomplish. So preaching is the power of God unto salvation. 
That's why we have to stand and declare it boldly. Because it's the method of ministry. Preaching is a tool in the hands of the Holy Spirit of God. God ordains preaching. Look with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 21. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 21. Notice what it says. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Let me say that again. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 21. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It doesn't matter how smart you are. How much secular education you have. He says it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Are y'all reading the same Bible I'm reading? So preaching is the tool of God that God uses to save man. Preaching is important. So the method of Jesus' ministry is in his preaching and teaching. He went to synagogues and taught and he preached the gospel of the kingdom. But not only do we see the mission in his ministry and the method of his ministry, but notice the miracles in his ministry. Jesus healed every disease and every sickness healing again notice miracles healings are miracles demonstrated his messiahship who he is he's the anointed one and he shows his authority and kingship over all creation by performing miracles Last week we gave a listing of the things that Jesus had done since chapter 8 begun. And we saw that he had power over creation, power over uh, the elements and, of the air and, and over uh, the elements of nature. And he had power over sickness and disease and distance. He had power over sickness. He had power over blood issue. He had power even over death. So we, we, we see that he performed miracles. And listen, miracles are not just confined to Bible reading. God still performs miracles today. And I just believe that there's a ministry of miracles that people are still being healed people are still receiving their sight people are still receiving their hearing their ears are being opened their eyes are being opened they are being raised I believe people are being saved I believe salvation itself is a miracle that God can take a sinner 
and wash him with the blood of his son and make him a saint and fit him for heaven. That's a miracle. I believe preaching is a miracle. That God can take the finite mind of a man and illumine his mind and give him his word. Some of you can look in the mirror and see the miracle. <laughs> you know where God has brought you from. So you're a testament that miracles still take place because, you know, you baffled and you don't understand how you made it out. Miracles still take place today. People are still being delivered from stronghold and vices. And the stratagems of the enemy. People are being delivered. So miracles still take place. Uh, we see in the ministry of Jesus that there's a mission, there's a method, and there are miracles. But not only do we see the ministry of Jesus, we see the mercy of Jesus. Verse 36 says, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved. With compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus is compassionate. Yes, he is. He's compassionate. There are several other passages in Matthews uh, in where we glimpse the compassion of Jesus. If we look in chapter 9. Notice in chapter 9, verses 27 through uh, 31, we see the compassion of Jesus. Two blind men cried out to Jesus and said to Jesus, have mercy on us. And we know what Jesus did. He gave them their sight. Compassion. We see the compassion of Jesus. We see the compassion of Jesus in Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. And he went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. In Matthew 15, verse 32, then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. Compassion. Matthew 20, verse 34. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Now the word compassion... The word compassion is a strong word. In the Greek, compassion refers to a feeling from the gut. Way down deep inside. It gives insight into the benevolent and gracious heart of Jesus Christ. It, it indicates a combination of love and, and pity, concern, deep uh, emotional feelings for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So when we look at the compassion of Jesus Christ, we see his love and pity and concern and the deep emotional feelings that he has for us. 
That even when you're in trouble, you understand that he's a compassionate God. And I don't care what trouble you're in, whether it's a self-inflicted or self-caused trouble, Jesus Christ is compassionate. He loves you deeply. He loves you from the gut. He loves you way down inside. In other words, it's not a surface love. You know, people will love you with a surface love. People will love you as long as you're good in, in good with them. Or as long as you're doing what they want you to do. That's how people are. But thanks be to God that Jesus is not like that. That he loves us deeply. That there's gut love. My God. It's way down on the inside. Aren't you glad about that? That he's not shallow. But it's deep. And he was moved with compassion. When he saw the people, he was moved with compassion. He was disturbed deep within himself. When he saw the spiritual condition of the people. Now, we have read about his compassion and, 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 and how it was in regard to the physical condition. But really, when you read this particular passage, his compassion is concerning the spiritual condition. The people Jesus saw were dejected and distressed. They were fainted and scattered abroad. And the literal interpretation or translation is that the people were torn and thrown down. They were as sheep scattered here and there. Some cast down, some wandering, some bruised, and some having their fleece torn by wolves. In other words, they were utterly neglected as to the interests of their souls and rejected by the proud and disdained Pharisees. And Jesus said they were as sheep having no shepherd. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, were as those Ezekiel described in Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34 verses 1 through 5. And the word of the Lord came unto me saying. Verse 2 says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. He says, Should not the shepherds Feed the flock. Verse 3. Ye eat the fat and ye clothe you with the wool. You kill them that are fed. But ye feed not the flock. Verse 4. The disease have ye not strengthened. Neither have ye healed that which was sick. Neither have ye bound up that which was broken. 
Neither have ye brought again that which was driven away. Neither have ye sought that which was lost. But with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. Verse 5. And they were scattered because there is no shepherd. And they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. The shepherds of Israel were feeding themselves and not the flock. The Pharisees did not heal that which was sick or bind up that which was broken or seek that which was lost. The flock was scattered upon the face of the earth. And when Jesus saw them, he saw their confusion, their dejection. He saw their distress. Listen to this. The Pharisees were the religious leaders who studied the word of God, the law. And they were supposed to lead the sheep to the shepherd. The chief shepherd, the good shepherd. But instead they were busy rejecting the shepherd. They were so caught up in their own popularity. That when Jesus gained popularity from the miracles that he had wrought among the people, it disturbed them. And instead of them driving the sheep to the shepherd, they were trying to drive the people, the sheep away from the shepherd. The Pharisees let the sheep. And they let them alone and listen. It's tough and it's unwise to leave sheep unattended. The sheep need someone to lead them and keep them from getting lost, to protect them from danger and to show them the way to go. Listen, people, hear me, people without Jesus are lost and in danger. Y'all miss that. People without the shepherd, the chief shepherd, are lost and in great danger. Because sheep can't keep themselves. Sheep need a shepherd and Jesus when he saw the sheep having no shepherd he was moved with compassion he makes a shift somewhat in the text he switches from simile about sheep to a metaphor about a harvest in the next two verses and I'm finished verses 37 and 38 we see the ministry of his disciples. Now, we, 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 we have looked at the ministry of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus, but here we see the ministry of the disciples, the 12 disciples. Verses 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, 
pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now, something I want you to note before I plow a little bit in the field. Both the harvest and the workers belong to the Father. (laughs) Y'all missed that. The harvest is God's and the workers are God's. Y'all see it? We see that in verse 38. But listen, he switches from simile about sheep to a metaphor about a harvest. In the second figure, Jesus likened the people to a ripened harvest. And, he's, and he sends the apostles among them as reapers who shall garner them, who shall gather them. Now, understand this. Jesus wants people to be reached with the gospel of the kingdom. He's concerned and he has compassion for every living soul. Don't miss that. I don't care if that person is a drunk, if that person is a gambler, if that person is a homonger. I don't care if that person skips and hops from club to club, if that person is gay or whatever that person is, he has compassion for their soul. And he wants us to preach the gospel to all that we come into contact with because every soul he wants saved. For the word says, it is that God's will that none perish. But all be brought unto repentance. Now that's the key now. We're not just accepting people coming without repentance. And repentance means to change your ways. That means if we catch you uh, homongering, you don't continue to homonger when you come. He'll change you. He'll give that up. If we catch you, uh, you know, hitting the bottle pretty tough, you know, your sips will be fewer. Because he's going to change you. The Holy Spirit comes within to change you. And whatever else situation that I called out that may be the vice or the condition of man at this particular moment, we have to understand that Jesus Christ wants the gospel of, the gospel of his kingdom preached to every soul. Now, we can't change every soul. And I'm not saying every soul would be saved. But he wants them to hear it. And to receive the invitation to accept it. So we got to go. We got to go. Now, if Jesus had compassion, that means that every one of us to properly minister to the needs of people and to reach people must have compassion. We got to have it in the gut. Deep down, a love and pity deep down within us for other people. You know, it really hurts me to see people lost and live lost. It really hurts me to see people in bad shape, people going in the wrong direction. It hurts me in the gut. And I can't help but think that there's something I can do or something I can say to help that person Come to know Jesus Christ to be saved. 
Listen, heaven is real. Heaven is real and hell is real. Y'all hear me tonight now. Heaven is real and hell is real. And it bothers me that some people will just flat out choose to go to hell. Now, I don't care, you know, about these different doctrines that's floating around, universalism and all of that kind of stuff that, that we hear taught today, you know, that eventually everybody's going to be saved. No, that's not the truth. If you don't accept Jesus Christ, you're not saved. And I'm not going to water it down and, and uh, you know, all of that to try to get people in and all like that and deceive the people. No, listen, they need to hear the gospel of the kingdom of God. They need to know that Jesus is the king. And if you want to be saved and spend eternity with God the Father in a pleasant place prepared for you, you must accept his son, Jesus Christ, to be saved. And we must do that with compassion. Compassion will make you get up at night and go. Compassion will make you get up in the daytime and go. Compassion will make you get up and minister to the needs of people. Even when you may be in a crunch yourself. Compassion will make you put yourself on the back burner for someone else. And someone else is good. See, compassion ministers. So we have a ministry, and our ministry is to meet the spiritual and physical needs of God's most prized creation, and that's mankind. He says the disciples were to go with the gospel, and they were to garner, they were to gather the people in as a harvest. And we are to reach them with the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus told his disciples, we need more disciples. We need more workers. Jesus told his disciples that there is a lot of work to do. We don't even have, we, we, listen, we got so much work, we, don't, we, we won't even bump into each other, we get busy. <laughs> There's work everywhere. We, we don't even have to run in the same lane. I mean, there's so many, there's, there's, there's so much work. He says that the harvest is plenteous. There's a whole lot of work to do. And more workers are needed. Now notice his method, and I'm finished, of dealing with the shortage. He says the way you deal with worker shortage is to pray. Do nothing without prayer. He said the way we deal with workers shortage is pray. That's why our prayer meetings ought to be just saturated with people. Bursting at the scene with people praying for God to send workers. Because there's much work to do. We must pray for more workers. We need more workers on mission to reach the masses with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The more people we have going out from the place, the more people we can reach. And listen, I don't know if you know it or not, but all of us have a small window. Mm. You don't have the time you think you have. 
you have a small window to do the work. So we need workers. And listen, I want it done in my day. In other words, we, we, we need to pray for the sending forth of more witnesses to the truth of the kingdom. And the sending of the twelve was Jesus' own response to the marvelous opportunity for reaping a great harvest of souls. See, this thing of discipleship is to reach out, to bring them in, to teach them, to build them up, to send them back out. Let me say that again. It's us reaching out to the lost and the unsaved. Bringing them in through the preaching of the gospel. Building them up and sending them back out to do the process all over again. Where they reach out as we are reaching out again. Building up so that we can keep sending out. Listen. We got enough unsaved folk to reach. Well, you don't have to be trying to get ready-made folk from somewhere else. Your church is not growing when you just bring in somebody from someone else. Your church is growing when somebody lost gets saved. See, we have that responsibility. We we, we don't need ready-made folk. We need to get busy in making disciples. That's the mandate. Make disciples. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, he says, look, behold, I'm with you. That word low doesn't mean low. That you stay to the ground. That means to look. Check it out. Behold, look look at it. I'm with you. That's a promise. That we're not alone as we gather in his harvest. As we move in emulation of his compassion for the lost. That he loves everybody. And he wants us to reach out to everybody with the gospel of the kingdom. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray your blessings upon all that have heard it and have internalized it. Hit it in their hearts with the intentions of doing. Father, we thank you for the great example that you have given unto us in your son Jesus Christ as we read of him in your word. Lord, we set our lives to do as he did. That he went from hither and thither and healed and preached. And Father, we are to go here and there healing and preaching and teaching your gospel. Lord, give us doors of opportunity open that we can reach people for you. I pray that you, by your prevenient grace, go before us. Soften the hearts of people as we converse and conversate with them your word that they will hear. You give ears to hear and hearts to receive. Lord, I pray, Lord, for our church, 
that even in this pandemic, you will use us to extend, exalt your kingdom in the earth. That you will increase our responsibility of discipleship training. That as people are coming in, we will teach them. Teach them your word. Teach them your way and your will. That they will be built up. And they will go out and reach other people for you. To start that process all over again with their loved ones and friends and family members and strangers. People that they may not even know. Father, I thank you for this hour, this time of teaching. And I pray that your word go out. And I know the promise of your word that it will not return unto you void. That it will accomplish all that you have sent it out to accomplish in Jesus name. Bless Miss Bennett and her family. Miss Phony and her family. Lord I pray for Brother Blackman and his mother. And uh, I pray for Sister Hutchins. And her family, Lord, I pray that you comfort them and bless them. Continue to increase us in this season that we will do what's pleasing to you. Thank you for the services you have given us and protecting us in our services of worship and praise to you. And Lord, the hearing of your word. I pray. Father, that no weapon formed against us is able to prosper. Thank you, Lord, for every soul that's a member of this church and every person who has partnered with us in person and in giving or in whatever fashion that they have given themselves and are giving themselves. Father, we thank you for them. Bless us and keep us safe. In Jesus' name, amen.